Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Balancing Business and Babies. My name is Lucy and I just wanted to start this podcast episode with a little bit of an introduction about me, who I am and why I'm talking to you. So yeah, just to jump right into it then, I am 35 years old and I became a mum when I was 32, I think, yes. I have struggled with infertility for over 10 years. I first had problems when I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. When I was diagnosed with the PCOS, I had had numerous issues, including really irregular bleeding and pain and just feeling crap all the time most of the time it felt like my uterus was on fire so i went to the gp numerous times and was bypassed multiple times i was told that it was you know just irregular bleeding some women have it and eventually it got so bad that i actually ended up in hospital i was admitted to a and e when i was about 18. i had suddenly developed excruciating pain in my lower left-hand side. And when I was taken up to A&E in the ambulance, I started hemorrhaging. And it turned out that one of the cysts had actually ruptured, which was causing the problem, but obviously they didn't realize it was a cyst at the time. So when I was diagnosed with PCOS, they told me that, you know, you can get pregnant, but it is unlikely. I had more tests done, including a dye test, which is essentially where they inject a radioactive dye up you. (laughs) There is no other nice way of putting that. So they put a dye up your fairy garden and they see whether everything is flowing (laughs) where it should be. And there were no issues, nothing came back on that test. So I was told that, you know, you can keep trying, but essentially I have got a, what I call a moniker, because I believe it was mentioned in Friends once, an inhospitable environment, which sounds lovely. (laughs) So it was, you know, sort of, I I kind of wrote it off that I was ever going to get pregnant. And yeah, when I was 30-ish, yeah. I reconnected with my long lost love. We were together originally when I was a teenager, but being young and in love, it didn't really work out. Um, and we were together for two years, but we separated when I was 17, 18, and we had a good 20 plus years of not being together. But we got back in touch and it was as if we'd never been apart. And within six months of getting back together, I got pregnant. And it was absolutely amazing, but I was also really terrified, like really shit scared that I was gonna lose the baby. I thought that, you know, this this can't possibly be happening. I, I've been told that I'm not going to get pregnant. I've got so many other health issues as well. We had early pregnancy tests, not tests, pregnancy scans, just to check on it, the baby. We had one at seven weeks, I think, early pregnancy privately. 
and then we had one which was our gender reveal one again privately which I think was about 11 weeks I think and we found out we were going to be having a little boy which was fantastic it was what I wanted I would have been happy either way but I think all parents have a a secret kind of you know deep down they they want either a boy or a girl and boy was kind of what I really wanted at the time so we found out we were having a little boy and then about three months into my pregnancy I'd had to go and have some tests done and obviously you have to have your diabetes check and yada 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 all the other tests that you have to have done in pregnancy and I was told that I had gestational diabetes just to top off the other shit that was going on so because I was already classified as high risk pregnancy because I have autoimmune diseases I had to have my thyroid removed when I was about 18 so I was already under consultant care but being high risk wiped out any option of a birth plan that I wanted and I'm not fussy I'd said to them at my midwife appointment not that I got many of them but I will go into why I didn't in a minute but I had sort of had this vision in my head that all I wanted for my birthing plan was I was I was quite happy to have all the drugs they could give me whatever they wanted as long as the baby got there okay and safely I was happy but I really wanted a water birth and because I was high risk and I was under consultant care I was told that that was the one thing I was not allowed to have which was just devastating actually because it was it was really the only thing that I'd actually wanted in my birth plan I'm not like I say I'm not a fussy cow I just that was all I wanted so I didn't get my uh, my ideal sort of uh, birthing situation but um, you know my diabetes obviously my health came first and and obviously my baby's health as well um and then I was put obviously with the gestational diabetes I was you know told it was diet controlled and you know just do what you need to do but it was it was never controlled and I I think that was obviously partly in fact to the fact that I've got autoimmune diseases and, and obviously my body wasn't reacting very well so I think around six months of my pregnancy I had to go on insulin injections which were just fucking horrific you're injecting insulin into you know I I feel so desperately sorry for people that have to do this and I I really don't want to make it sound like I complain about it because I did only have to do it fortunately whilst I was pregnant for those few months so I dread to think what it's like to actually have to do it every single day um I can only sympathize hugely with people that have to do it every single day of their lives um because it it was awful the first couple of days probably actually the first couple of weeks it wasn't too bad but eventually my skin started to bruise I, I bruised like a peach I, I literally only have to walk into a table and I end up with like some sort of weird hematoma on my leg so I bruised really easily and injecting myself daily and I was having to do if I remember rightly I was having to do one before my breakfast one after my breakfast one before my dinner one after my dinner and one before tea and after tea so I was having to do like five or six injections a day and then obviously if I was having spikes in between as well as well of, of the insulin I was having to do that as well so sometimes it could go up in in the amount of injections I was having to do and eventually I was just piercing into bruised skin which was just 
vile. So, yeah, the kind of, after the initial kind of stage of that had kind of gone, I then... I then developed, I think they've changed the name of it now to PGP, but when I was diagnosed with it, it was called SPD or symphonic pubic dysfunction. I don't think that's the right word, but Google it. (laughs) SPD, basically your hip joints, your hip joints kind of become a little bit too mobile and it's kind of generally in the like mid to later stages of pregnancy, but it put me on crutches which you know when you've got a eight nine month bump and you're walking around on crutches just isn't great i had to have water therapy hydrotherapy just to be able to kind of cope with it because it was it was really uncomfortable and then march i think yeah march of 2020 will probably ring a bell for a lot of people So we'd obviously been having in the world niggling here and there of a virus going around and yeah I was I was nine months pregnant uh, when we went into well eight nine months pregnant when we went into the first lockdown so I think we went into lockdown in the UK on the 28th of March 2020 and I was taken in to be induced on the 3rd of April, I think, 2nd or 3rd of April, 2020. So I was very, very well into my pregnancy when we went into lockdown. But obviously because we'd had the nigglings of the virus and people prior to being in lockdown, a lot of my appointments had stopped or I wasn't getting midwife care. I I wasn't getting any of the kind of pre-appointments. I had none of the like parenting groups I think that you can go to my partner has got a a child from a previous partner my husband fuck's sake we only got married in April so I'm still not used to saying husband my husband has got a child from a previous relationship she's nine and when he his ex and he were having their baby they got all these you know offers of going to like parenting groups and they could go and they could sit on I'm going to be really American now because I don't know the term for it in England but I know that they have a Lamar's class in America I don't know whether that's what they call it in England but I think we have something as similar to that as shocking that I know more facts about America than I do about my own country um (laughs) so I had none of these anyway I'm waffling I had none of these groups anyway because of this virus that was going around and then obviously it was you know we were we were put into lockdown in March I was induced on the 2nd or 3rd of April and my husband Andy was not allowed to come with me my mum wasn't allowed to come with me I had to go on my own and it's terrifying for any woman and people that haven't had a lockdown baby don't realize what it was like going into hospital on your own when you're you know especially if your first baby as well when you don't know what to expect like I say I was already high risk so that was that was another factor in it and and I was terrified I was so worried that something was going to happen or that I was going to have the baby and there was not going to be anyone there and my husband Andy was allowed to come up for I suppose as a saving grace, he was allowed to come up for an hour a day, every day that I was in. I was in for just over a week, which made no fucking sense to me at all whatsoever. 
if in my head i'm not a scientist but i think there's a lot of stuff that i don't actually believe with it but if he'd got covid surely it would have made more sense to just say he can't come up because they weren't testing him on the door so he was allowed to come up for an hour a day come into my room see me and then go home and potentially either he's just walked in with the virus or he's just gone home caught the virus and then come back up the following day with the virus so it just it would have made more sense to me for them to say right well he can he can come but he's got to stay for the entire week or duration that you're in the hospital to make sure that we don't bring any viruses in or you know put a full ban on it i'm glad they didn't but put a full ban on it and say that he can't come up at all because there's a potential for him bringing a virus into the hospital Anyway, they that's what they decided to do. I'm sure there was a logic there somewhere for them doing that. I don't know what it is yet, though. So he came up for an hour a day every day to see me. My little boy was born on the 10th of April by emergency C-section. It was due to failure to progress, basically. I'd been in labour, active labour, which... I think is anything over four centimetres. I never actually got to four centimetres, but because they'd manually broken my waters, which trigger warning, if you've not had a baby or you're thinking of having a baby or you're pregnant, I apologise now. I really don't mean to scare you, but for me anyway, having my waters broken, I wasn't offered any gas and air. I wasn't offered any drugs, nothing at this stage. They, two midwives tried to pop my waters with their finger and I was literally screaming in, in pain. I, again, I apologise if you are pregnant. I, I Hopefully you don't get any problems, but for me it was excruciating. And eventually a consultant came around because it was so painful. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry, you can't do that again. I'm not going to let you do that again. I, I just wanted to kick them off me. A consultant came round and she said, oh my God, sweetheart, haven't you had any gas and air? Didn't they offer you any gas and air to do it with? I said, no, no. She gave me a couple of puffs on the gas and air, stuck a long, thin sort of, I'm going to call it a poking device. I don't really, it was like a hook, I think. A long, thin poking device up me to pop my waters manually. And I didn't feel that at all then, but having it done by the midwives was was terrifying and, and horrible and not something I wish to repeat. So once my waters had been broken, I was then classed as in active labour. And once I was in active labour, they did say to me then that Andy could come up and he was allowed to be with me. But I'd been going at it then for, whilst I was in active labour, I think a ridiculous amount of hours. And there's so many, there's only so many hours once you've gone into active labour that you can stay in labour for until it becomes dangerous the baby because obviously the waters have then gone and I'd had at this point I'd had a concoction of drugs I was completely off my fucking face I was literally it was quite weird actually because I, I wish I hadn't been but at the time it was bizarre I had like a really weird out of body experience I imagined in my head that I could hear my mum talking to me and my mum wasn't even in the hospital at one point I stuck my hands up in the air I don't know if I said anything Andy's been quite coy about it and not told me anything <laughs> but he said that I did do quite a few embarrassing things when I was under the influence of the drugs 
but I do vividly remember things like moving around in the room. So the table and the bed became in different places at one point. And then I could hear my mum talking to me and my really vividly heard my mum saying, oh my God, the baby's here. <laughs> I hadn't even, <laughs> I hadn't even started pushing nothing. So the baby definitely wasn't there and my mum definitely wasn't in the hospital. And yeah, in between this like massive kind of trip that I was having, I sort of stuck my hands up in the air and I think I went, wee, or it's here or something. <laughs> So, but I had had a concoction. I'd, I'd had the gas and air, which is amazing. I think they should prescribe it on the NHS. Gas and air, which I wouldn't let go. They kept trying to take it off me and I wouldn't let it go. I also had a pethidine injection, which just made me feel a bit woozy. Didn't really do anything, I don't think. But that combined with the gas and air and the, I had an epidural as well at one point. I had a bleed out of my spine because they cocked it up the first time they did it. They let a trainee do it which i didn't know at the time and he went into the wrong place in my spine and i started to have a bleed out of my spine so another sort of senior consultant came in and he had to redo my epidural because i'd only gone numb on the one side i could feel everything on one side and nothing on the other and then yeah started hemorrhaging out of my back which is not great probably another reason why i've got chronic back pain now and yeah every time i turned over i was obviously still on my back on the bed at this point my son's heart rate started to drop they tried at one point i remember looking down and there was probably about five six people stood looking up my <laughs> up my front bottom and they tried to put a little clip which i believe they've they can put like a little heart rate monitor on the baby's head i don't know how that works they put a little heart rate monitor on the baby's head while he's still in me but they couldn't quite get where they needed to without causing problems and his heart rate was dropping even more so eventually they sort of said look i think you've been doing this enough and we we think that the cord is now wrapped around your baby's neck and it's also wrapped around his torso so we need to get you in for an emergency c-section i was not bothered about this at that point because i just thought even if i did have the end i like wanted to push i i physically couldn't do it at that point it just i knew i didn't have the energy in me i'd, I'd been going at it for too long and i was exhausted so i got rushed down into the theater because i'd already had the epidural i was obviously already numb so it was really quick i have to give them props for that within five minutes Andy had been gowned up as well, so he was allowed to come in with me. The anaesthetist stood behind my head and then he said to us, what songs do you like to play? And I believe that my son was born to a Spice Girls song, actually. <laughs> I think my husband had sort of jokingly said Spice Girls or something. Yeah, my husband likes the Spice Girls. Don't ask. So I think the Spice Girls might have been playing or some form of 90s song when my son was actually born. And they pulled him out of my stomach. I obviously couldn't see anything. My husband saw everything, but he's a butcher, so he's kind of used to, you know, blood and gore. Wasn't phased at all. But he... <laughs> I remember him saying to me as soon as they pulled my son out, he said, God, he's got a pair of balls on him, hasn't he? Like, 
really is that really the first I, I mean obviously I can't do anything about it now but that's the first memory I've got of you know not he's healthy or he's gorgeous or he's a he's you know he's beautiful <laughs> no he's got a pair of balls on him so <laughs> they obviously took uh son away they did all their little checks on him and then they brought him back over to me while they were still stitching me up and and sort of sorting me out they gave him to my husband first so he could have a, a love and a cuddle and then we were taken to recovery and I was given 45 minutes with Andy and our son before Andy was kicked out of the hospital. And he wasn't allowed to come back then until we went home. So our son was born on Friday, the 10th of April, and we weren't allowed out of the hospital until Sunday um, and because of the C-section. And Andy wasn't allowed to be there, so he'd had 45 minutes with his son and was kicked out at like midnight you know, just after he's had a baby boy, it was it was awful. And I was left there alone in the hospital with this newborn baby that, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing and I was in pain. And the midwife, I remember the first night that I was in there with, with Jacob, our son, a midwife popped her head through the door. She didn't actually come into the room. She just popped her head around the door and she said, are you okay? And I said, well, no, not really. I said, I need to go to the toilet and, and he needs feeding and changing. And, you know, I could do with a little bit of help. I don't really know what I'm doing. My bag is that side of the room. You know, Jacob's right next to me. I can't get out of bed. You know, we're talking like literally minutes after I've had a C-section. And she said, I'm so sorry. She said, I just wanted to come in and apologise. She said, normally we would come in and offer to put the baby in the nursery for the night or for us to at least have a, you know, a little bit of a cuddle with him ourselves. She said, that's why we became midwives is because we like to, you know, we like to get to know the babies as well and have a bit of a cuddle with them. It would give you some time to have a rest and sleep so that you can kind of recover a little bit. She said, I'm not allowed to come in. I'm not allowed to touch the baby. I'm not allowed to touch you and I'm not allowed to help unless it's in an emergency situation. She said, so I'm really sorry. She said, you are just going to have to deal with it, basically. So I was then literally just left on my own in the room. I had to get myself out of bed as best as I could, try to go to the toilet, which was obviously across the, the bay, across the other side of the, the room, worrying that, you know, I'm leaving Jacob alone. So I tried to wheel the plastic kind of crib that they have along with me so that I could sort of leave him by the door of the toilet so that I could always see where he is and you know if he needed me and then I had to basically go to the toilet on my own I had to get up every time he woke up which as we know babies do frequently so I basically didn't sleep for the first 48 hours because I was just left on my own in the room so yeah not the wonderful sort of pregnancy story and birthing story that i wanted but saving grace is that jacob was born completely healthy he was a lot smaller than they told me they were expecting him to be over nine pounds which is why i'd been in um because they said he was a big baby but he came out at six pound 11 ounces so they got their measurements massively wrong but he was healthy, he was adorable, and yeah, that's kind of 
my pregnancy and birth stories so I just wanted to kind of give you all a little bit of a taster about the podcast and yeah I've got some amazing amazing mums coming on the show and amazing parents I should say I've got dads as well and not just parents I've got some grandparents that are due to come on and tell me their experiences but it's a podcast about you know balancing work and babies but I wanted to start the show and start the podcast just off with my birthing story and my pregnancy story so I think that's a good place to start so yeah tune in next time for the next episode on balancing business and babies see you soon